Hello, welcome again to TV Therapy. I am your host, Ben Murray-Holmes, and this is the podcast where I chat about TV with guests made up of my friends and family. Each episode I'll ask my guests questions about the shows that they love and hopefully gain some insight into them and the medium along the way. In today's podcast, I'll be chatting all about the world of TV with my guest, former housemate of mine and friend, Andrew Butcher. I would also love for any suggestions from you guys. Please let me know what can be done to improve the podcast and give me any suggestions of things to talk about. Interviews aren't the only thing I'll be doing. There will also be digital roundtables where myself and multiple guests will chat about a specific show. Myself, Andrew from this very podcast, and Dennis Jones, my guest on the last episode, have already recorded the first episode of a whole series of special Doctor Who podcasts. We chatted for over three hours about series one of New Who, and it was super nerdy and a lot of fun. That will be the next podcast you hear once I've gotten around to editing it. But for now, my interview with Andrew. On with the show. Just some service announcements for today's podcast. Beware mild spoilers for Doctor Who, as well as the TV show Friday Night Dinner. Also, there may be some slight sound deformities on today's episode. They were due to some bad Wi-Fi, but I've tried to clear them up as much as possible. But it shouldn't stop your enjoyment of the podcast. Hello, and today my guest is ex-housemate of mine and friend, Andrew Butcher. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, Nice to relax now because I was teaching this morning, so now I've got the rest of the day off to do this and other things. Having fun with lockdown? Um, I wouldn't say fun. I, as you know from living with me, I'm not someone who's generally indoors very often. Mm. It's been hard because I'm, yeah, I'm out all the time usually. Mm. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, like mental health wise, but I'm getting there. Uh, Teaching is keeping me going and creativity is keeping me going. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Have you been watching a lot of TV? Yes, so much. I, love the amount of stuff that you have introduced me to while living with you mm. but i must say that it's quite liberating to have a tv all the time yeah um, nice. <laughs> i think that was the only thing um being with you guys that you know obviously where we share all the most of the tech in the house um i i couldn't be quite as liberal with what i wanted to watch mm. um yeah. but that, that's been quite nice and i've been binging the heck out of disney plus yep um it's been amazing i love it i've in fact quite a few things i'll probably mention today at least one specifically um that's that i used to watch when i was younger um that's been put on disney plus and i'm loving watching it again so uh, that's been really nice apart from that i don't think i've watched much netflix really lately um laura watched insatiable she enjoyed that so okay i haven't actually watched any of that yet but she said it was good um, but no disney plus has been my rock in terms of tv yeah, yeah, I during this you. time. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as you know, I this when it as soon as it came out, I watched every of the classic Disney movies. All the animated. yeah, I'm surprised you got through them so fast. It was impressive. I mean, we did it in literally a month. We finished a month after Disney Plus came out. Blimey, 50, fifty-eight films. I mean, we watched two a day. I mean, it's not. It, yeah, it was pretty simple to be honest. Um, but yeah, I still yet to kind of explore Disney Plus. In other ways, there's lots of things on my watch list, but I I thought I should give Disney a break for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but what have you been watching? Tell me specifically. You know, anything fun? Uh, well, my my first thing once I once I got Disney Plus was to uh, go through the entire Marvel collection. Yeah. 
Um, and the main reason being is because I got into it quite late in terms of Marvel films. Mm. Um, I think it was from around the second Captain America film um, that yeah. I started watching it, which, yeah, was quite late on in terms of the story. So mm -hmm. there were quite a few, like the early Iron Man film um, and the original Thor, stuff like that, that I, some of them I hadn't even ever seen. Mm -hmm. So it was really nice to to go through that again and i've i've finished it and i just survived the the two big ones at the end mm. um obviously so far the from home, yeah. edition afterwards <laughs> yeah um which um, on on disney plus which is annoying but we yeah. are lucky enough to have sky um and they are showing on sky quite a lot at the moment so i've had yeah. access to those so that was really nice to kind of watch the whole universe in sequence and get to grips with all of that again and it's amazing storytelling amazing storytelling i know it's not tv so i don't know yeah. how relevant it is to this but that's mostly what i've been watching apart from that uh a my childhood tv show was the sweet life of zach and cody yeah when i was about 13 i started watching that mm. and it's brilliant it's probably mm. one of the best kids tv shows that's like ever made um in terms of like it's particularly kind of live action kids tv mm. shows yeah um because it's just positive there aren't a lot of TV shows that uh, kind of just have positive messages and that just rely on like the characters to drive the story. Yeah. Um, I know like I, <laughs> a bit of a guilty pleasure, self-confessed um, Hannah Montana watcher when I was younger yeah. as well. But that, even though they were trying to create positive things with that in terms of looking at how fame can kind of affect your life and all that sort of thing, yeah it ended up being about a lot of negative things most of the time you know yeah. lying and deceit and all that sort of stuff but zach and cody doesn't have any of that it's just mm. really a really positive show and it really um focuses on them growing up and uh how they get to grips with the world and how they learn about the world and all the positive mm. messages about you know that uh, their parents zach and cody's parents broke up when they were younger and they're quite young at the start of the tv show mm. So they obviously didn't have that relationship with them from quite an early age. And yeah. it tackles how you deal with that as you grow up. And also just, yeah, it's great. I love it. Nice. It's interesting, actually, because Alex and Dennis, who I've spoken to, and then our other friend, Simon, you all seem to be watching all these like Disney childhood shows. And yeah. I never had any of those channels when I was younger. So I feel like I'm left out because I'm not watching any of it. Like, I never saw Well, to be fair... To be fair, I didn't actually for a long time. Um, when I was with my mum, I used to live with my mum, then I moved in with my dad later on. Yeah. Um, my dad had Sky when we were younger, so it was kind of like a a brave new world for me and my brother mm. when we when we managed to get that and have access to this stuff. Because yeah. for a long time we didn't. But I think people refer to this as the golden age of Disney TV because um, they don't really do anything. They don't really make anything like it anymore in terms of children's shows. No. Um, it was like their own little interconnected universe of stuff and they yeah. would all like cameo in each other's shows and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but we were quite lucky because I think me and my brother got access to this at the right time because mm. they, were, they were just starting to create these like quite new and fresh shows with really good ideals and that sort of thing so it was great for us i haven't delved into those I, I probably won't because i don't feel like they'll translate necessarily to a 26 year old man just watching these disney kids shows necessarily well you um, say that but the, actually the reason that i love zach and cody so much as a show is because 
it doesn't need that like it's it's kind of one of the only shows that i've seen like from being a child to now that doesn't feel cheesy in a way i mean it is cheesy in some places but in terms of the actual messages and the the kind of ideals and stuff that it promotes it feels very relevant still to people growing up today it doesn't really feel massively dated to me i mean other people who have seen it might have a different opinion but i just think that a lot of the kind of core themes and things about the show are still just as relevant now because it wasn't really things that were relevant to that time it was just stuff that's relevant as you're growing up yeah fair. i mean i the, the one show i do watch on disney plus it was gravity falls that was i mean that's fairly new and i'm a big mm. fan of like animated like sort of kid shows of the day um sort of now like steven universe adventure time and gravity yeah. falls, absolutely recommend that it is hilarious but it also has a really compelling mystery behind it so okay. that is absolutely one of the best things. And we've sort of done a little rewatch of that as well since having Disney Plus because it is brilliant. nice. Um, what is it about? It's, um, it's essentially like, have you seen Twin Peaks or do you know about Twin Peaks? Not really. I've heard of it. I know people who love it. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it's about two siblings. They go to visit their great uncle, their grunkle Stan, who owns this mystery shack, um, a sort of oh. tourist attraction. Yeah, I think I've seen bits when I obviously was living Probably, with you guys, yeah, but yeah, I've yeah. never seen it properly. So. Yeah, it's, they live in a town called Gravity Falls, and it's it's kind of a bit Buffy-ish as well because it's loads of weird stuff is going on, and nice. it, is, it. it is hilarious. It's one of the funniest things, and it's made by Disney, and it's quite it's it's quite bold for Disney mm. um, as well. It's like nothing else I've really seen them do. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the only thing about the shows in kind of the Zack and Cody era is they were all very formulaic. Yeah, and I yeah. think um, over time, as Disney has got more money and they've got mm. more of the ability to be able to experiment a bit, they have really been bolder with what they've produced. I think, and that is a really good example of it. Particularly, you know, with their movies and going back to Marvel kind of thing. That's they're breaking into the TV shows, and the next phase will be really experimental, probably. So I think. Yeah. it's something that they're able to do more now which is brilliant because it means that yeah. they're creating a lot of content that isn't the thing you'd expect which is nice yeah quickly before we move on i because of amy's little sister um we've been babysitting her and we, yeah. we watched all three descendants movies oh yeah laura loves descendants they no, they're pretty bad uh the first one is okay it has a pretty good song in it i like yeah no that's 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 as much as i can do in this they're quite talented performers though if you watch the dances and things yeah yeah of course i mean they are talented and they can sing but it's just very it's it's weird some of it is i think the idea behind it is is cool because they haven't really done like much villain focused stuff i mean Um, but you can tell that it's done for kids in a way which yeah. uh my partner I, she probably won't listen to this but if she did would probably hit me for because she's almost uh-huh. 30 and she would hit me for saying that too um <laughs> so maybe cut that out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um laura likes descendants i've seen so i don't i don't know if i've seen the third one i've definitely seen the first two yeah. but i quite like them they're all right yeah, they're not yeah. bold really uh-huh. but <laughs> um right anyway um so another part of just this opening preamble, I've asked you kind of, are you watching a lot of TV, but are you generally a big TV watcher? 
yes more than films in some ways i'd say yeah um, mostly because tv is more accessible mm. um you know we've got things like netflix and obviously now with disney plus as well it's just a lot easier to yeah. to get along and watch that stuff because you can do it at stupid o'clock in the morning when yeah. you should be sleeping and the thing is, as you know, I don't have a lot of time really to go to the cinema, not because I don't want to, because I love it when I do, but just yep. because of how busy I am in life. You know, being an artistic person, as you know, as well, is not an easy feat and it yep. takes up a lot of your time. Yeah. So, yeah, going to the cinema is not something that I get a chance to do very often. So I think for me, TV is a huge deal because I can watch it whenever I want and that just makes it so much more accessible. So, yeah. It's a lot easier to just watch TV shows because there's so many easy to watch. Like the, the the length is just you know you put on a half hour episode and and that's it. And you you know you do it whilst you eat your dinner, you do it before bed, whatever. You can't really do that with a film. It's a it's a commitment to sit down. And also, yeah, I think it becomes part of your lifestyle in some ways. Mm. If you get used to watching a show, um, mm. like I I know you do as well a lot of the mm. time while you're eating, yeah, then it just becomes part of your life and it's something that you. If you're habitual, I'm quite a habitual person. Mm. So that's part of my routine. I'll sit yeah. down and I'll watch an episode of The Sweet Life, say, because that's what I'm watching at the moment while I eat. Yeah. And you can just kind of take that in whilst you're doing that. And it's something to keep you no, engaged. Yeah, ex so. Exactly. I mean, I watch all sorts of shows. Um, usually I find myself watching British stuff um, where it's kind of short, six episodes a season, half an hour. Really easy to get into. I watched recently... Um, I remember you talking about it, but This Country on BBC, yeah. um, which I binged all the way through because it was a really easy binge and because it's a brilliant show. Um, yeah, actually, my, my dad told me about This Country because uh, a lot of the BBC Three stuff now is not quite as accessible as it used to be just because it changed platform. Yeah. I used to have that channel on most of the time until it went online. Mm. Um, yeah. I think I need to pay more attention to it now, but... Yeah, my dad said it was brilliant and I need to watch more of it, to be honest, especially if you say that you really liked it because we have a yeah, lot of yeah. similar interests in TV shows. It's fantastic. It's just so... It's endearing. It's, you know, it's mm. funny and it's it's relatable as well because, you know, we come from a, you know, a sort of country-ish community. Yeah. And, and so you do kind of see things in the world of this show as well. Characters thing, are lovable. Yeah. The thing I liked about it is that it just seems so like dry and honest yeah from the one episode i've only seen one episode so far that's the one my dad yeah. showed me but that's just the impression i got from it is it was mm. just really felt really pure in a way and yeah. that was really nice because a lot of tv doesn't do that it, it does and it, it it hits those emotional moments as well every so often like i mean i don't think you've ever seen it but the original office the office uk it, i've seen bits i've never seen it thing. properly yeah that was very similar um it's you know it's a mockumentary and it feels real and gritty but it's funny and then it hits the emotional moments as well yeah particularly sort of the more it goes on and yeah there are some real moments in there that really hit you hard and mm -hmm. it, is, it is a beautiful show i yeah i mean absolutely watch that um, I, I love shows like that that you are mm. very comedically hilarious and then they just hit this beat that you do not expect and actually they often do it better than dramatic stories because that's what you expect from dramatic stories yeah so the second it hits in a comedy you it just you drop and i think in comedy it can be more impactful because of that as well because yeah. it just kind of it's so sudden 
that that yeah. beat comes often because they want to surprise you and that's really nice most of my favorite shows are comedies that do have emotional beats in them um there's very few shows that are comedies that i like that really are just funny for the sake of it all i can think of is uh, a touch of cloth um <laughs> did you watch that i can't remember if we watched that i haven't no but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I we always meant to show it to you but that was the charlie brooker comedy and it's and it's absolutely laughing in it because it is a parody of like cop shows. It's it's just so full on parody wise. It doesn't need to have any like character sort of development because it is just a piss take essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. You you definitely told me about it, um, but I'd actually honestly forgotten about it until now. I know, um, it's but I yeah I should pick that up. Is there anywhere that I can watch it? Like on. Um, I think it's probably on Now TV, like Sky, whatever those are. Okay. Yeah, I'll have a look because we've got um. On SkyQ, you got like options to search for stuff. So if I just speak into the fancy remote, yeah, then, uh, it's yeah. it's amazing. It's like if you like if you've seen one cop show, you know all the references anyway, and it's just so yeah. funny. It's got a great cast as well. Right, we should probably move on because um, we haven't even started with proper questions yet. <laughs> so Andrew Butcher, yes, uh, for a million pound. No, um, oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never told price. me that was uh, an aspect of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, got some pretty good funding. Okay, what is the first TV show you fell in love with? So I've got kind of three, um, but that's in terms of a time frame of my life um and you and amy briefly talked about the one that i remember being the youngest watching and loving um and that was come outside yeah because i yeah. It, it's it's probably not the one that i fell in love with the most but it's the one that i remember loving like when i was really young it's the first one i remember really enjoying yeah um and there are two reasons for that the first is because it was just really fun and engaging and they went to new places and it was quite adventurous particularly for a young kid you know kind of who i've not traveled much in my life so being able to watch someone who you know i mean it's not exotic she doesn't go to hawaii and <laughs> no she goes to imagine? like a, a, a warehouse or something so i suppose it sounds stupid when i say i haven't traveled and i enjoyed it but because it wasn't really a travel show but mm -hmm. it was uh it was educational as well that's the second reason that i loved it she went to lots of different places that were kind of backstage if you like um, and yeah, you got yeah. to see like in, in terms of warehouses and one that sticks out in my mind for some reason is uh, she, her and Pippin, lovely dog Pippin, Amy needs to leave Pippin alone, um, went to a uh, waterworks, you know, okay. where they kind of yeah. process the water and cure it and whatever. And uh, for some reason that sticks out in my mind. I guess it was just, it was a show that I enjoyed because it took you to places that especially as a kid, you'd just never see. Yeah. And you've got to learn about them. And yeah. it's it's quite a simple concept, but that's kind of the first one that I, I really remember yeah, enjoying yeah. when I was younger. I remember that too. It was one of those shows that the, I think at school, the teachers would wheel in the TV and yeah. car outside would be on or they put it on. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's informative as well. And it's got a sort of nice lady and a, and a cute dog. I mean, yeah, exactly. What What's not to love when you're a young kid? I can't remember the theme tune. What was it like? I'm not gonna I, I remember the words. <laughs> Go on then. Oh no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Um, yeah. I don't remember. It's a it's, nice theme tune. Yeah. Look up, look down, down look all look around. around. I'm not gonna sing the whole thing. No, I mean it's a good theme tune. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, cool. And what, what's next? But um, so going forward, um, the the first thing that kind of really impacted me that became, I guess, a big part of my life after this. 
um, was Pokemon um, because it was just, you know, I love fictional stories anyway, but it was set in this amazing world that obviously has been fleshed out now for, I think they've had something like a 20th anniversary or something ridiculous. Mm. But the thing I loved about it, maybe not then because I didn't really realize at that time, but the whole Pokemon concept is based on one guy who used to catch bugs when he was a kid mm. and to be able to create this entire wonderful world of different creatures with different abilities and traveling and all that sort of thing just from that is amazing his mind is amazing yeah. um, and the fact that it's still going and still entrancing the mind of minds of kids now um is wonderful um but i loved it because it was just it was fun it was silly but it was also emotional and it did have those beats that surprised you particularly when i was growing up um there are some episodes that i'll well one in particular that i'll mention a bit later that just you know especially when you're younger it kind of blows your mind because it teaches you about a lot of kind of more mature themes yeah you know like loss and family and all that sort of thing and all of that stuff is in it um and that's why i loved it i mean we don't need to hear about the next show so move on <laughs> I think you've probably already talked about it a lot with Dennis. I, I already know what it is, yeah. yeah. No, carry on, carry on, go. Well, when I was 13, I think, the grand old year of 2007, I can't even remember how old I was at that time. Um, so I picked it up quite late, really. But uh, yeah, I am obsessed with Doctor Who. And it's for me, it's not just a show, it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. Um, it's affected my hair, the clothes that I wear. It's kind of affected a lot of aspects of me um, and also just like learning confidence and being okay with yourself and all that sort of thing. It's a very, it's a show about acceptance and, you know, love and positivity and motivation and yeah, it's just beautiful and brilliant. And because uh, I know I started watching it at the start, beginning of season three, but I don't know whether or not it was Gridlock or the Shakespeare Code that was the first one I ever watched. Mm. but the Shakespeare code suits me more in terms of my story <laughs> so yeah. I think I've made it that <laughs> whether or not Fair it was enough. but yeah I got hooked from season three I asked for the box sets of season one and two that year for Christmas yeah got them and I remember binging it most of Boxing Day I think if I remember rightly or Christmas Day I can't even remember I know I just took up a lot of time watching them and then from there that was it it was my mm. life I mean we share that definitely I, I mean, I got into Doctor Who before you, just want to put that on the record. Yeah, you do. Um, no, you have a, a much deeper and kind of longer-rooted connection than I do, because your dad introduced you to the classic ones, yeah? Yeah, I mean, a bit. He kind of, he, he, you know, he's been watching it, um, you know, since it started, and he introduced me to some of the old ones. My, I said this on the podcast with Dennis, but my favourite, um, the old ones, was always Dalek Invasion of Earth. Um, yeah. William Hart and all that is a cracking story um, i haven't actually seen it hand on heart because uh, honestly i've i've missed a lot of the classic stuff i really need to find a way to watch it it's all on brickbox um, that's another subscription i've heard service, that brickbox's but... interface is not good i yeah i tried downloading it once i kind of gave up after a while uh, it's out it's all out there somewhere though doctor who yeah um but no i i um yeah and so i came into it in 2005 when when it started up i was excited I, and i remember sitting down to watch it for the very first time um and then i carried on watching it pretty much i don't remember if i ever missed an episode i think i missed episodes like live recent more recently but when i was a kid i would watch it every single saturday i would watch it on christmas day yeah. and new year's day um 
Were you the hide behind the sofa kind of kid? No, no, I don't know. I mean, I, as you know, I'm a big horror fan, so I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't hide behind the sofa. I don't think I ever found it that scary. I mean, I did find it scary, okay. but I was never like, you know, trying to get away from it or anything. But yeah, I mean, I've I've loved it since I was a kid as well. I think it's just, I think it's just such a positive show, and uh, just forgetting the lore and all that sort of thing, which is obviously massively extensive. Um, just the themes of it are are really important. I think you know acceptance of change because the show changes all the time mm. and love and motivation and positivity. Yeah. You know, I could go on and on about the amazing things that I think it does, but yeah, got a lot of questions. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I will say that is a funny thing because it's this show about positivity and acceptance, and yet some many so-called fans hating on it every single week. Uh, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of Tenth Doctor fans specifically, aren't there? Yeah, that's just... a thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I think David Tennant is an amazing actor. I really do. He's incredibly versatile. He's brilliant. Mm. But he's not the be all and end all of Doctor Who. No. They made him seem like he was because when he was leaving, it was this massive emotional trauma. Um, and just because the character was going through that, it didn't mean that yeah. they had to end the show with the idea of, I don't want to go, because yeah. you, you shouldn't try and get people to hold on to an era of Doctor Who, because yeah. that's quite damaging, I think, because mm. then, like many people did, they don't accept what comes next. As I said to Dennis, we are planning to do a Doctor Who podcast in the future, yeah. and so this can all be like extensively covered on there yeah, um, in great detail, and there will be many arguments. Sure. <laughs> but um, you said you have rules. There will uh, there'll probably be rules. But um, me and Dennis have we've chatted about it, and we, what we might do is it'll we'll do it over like a you know months, but we'll do like yeah. a season of podcasts, and we'll just sit down and discuss each season, and then yeah, our favorite episodes and stuff like that. But we'll do that, and it will be properly extensive, and we can actually get into these uh, issues, the gritty details. Yeah. <laughs> But I am going to move on to the next question now. Yeah. What show makes you laugh more than any other? This was a really hard question for me. Yeah. Um, I had to bullet point quite a few, okay. but they do all come under the same kind of theme. And you've already touched on it because you said that you really like kind of smaller British shows. Yeah. And my favorite comedies are those. They are, they're smaller, kind of low budget British shows that are just fun and honest and emotional probably don't have a lot of money put into them but they really do what they can with what they have you know they cast amazing actors who have a lot of emotional range and uh it's brilliant so i just think that the the reason that this kind of strikes a chord with me as opposed to american comedy which i think is maybe why i've missed the American office and community and you know quite a few of the things that you guys have talked mm. about before is because I just really love the kind of they're not they're not tacky necessarily but some sometimes they are um, and they're like low budget <clears throat> British comedies and that's what I love as opposed to American shows they don't try to drag these things out um, so they're yeah. often you know two or three series um, and that's probably what the creators plan for them to be mm. um and that's just all they are you know they don't try and outlive friends like the big bang theory did which uh, why um like don't get me wrong i love the show i know that you have a lot of issues with it past sort of season four or five yeah maybe even before that yeah. um, but the the trouble is with with that is that if you're just trying to 
eke it out for the sake of money or eke yeah. it out for the sake of trying to beat another show's record or something like that. It just gets a bit pants. Yeah. And there aren't really many British comedy shows that I know that have done that. No. So, uh, yeah, I, I love Miranda. I love yeah. the IT crowd. Um, yeah. I know you and I were talking a bit before this about keeping up appearances, yeah. which is hilarious. Um, yeah. The Inbetweeners is great. The American yeah. version sucked. So that's another example of why they shouldn't try and do British comedy. Um, yeah. Little Britain's amazing. Fresh Meat, Peep Show, Friday Night Dinner. Um, but yeah, just the kind of those low budget, slightly tacky British comedies. I love them. I mean, funny thing is Peep Show ran for nine seasons. And Yeah, you know, that's true, actually. It that doesn't really fit I, that rule, does it? But it feels no. like it does. It doesn't feel too long to me. It's good all the way through, generally. Yeah. Um, it's weird that it doesn't fit that. But um, no, most of those shows, they are you know, four seasons maximum, yeah. kind of roughly. Um, and they're just shows. fun, a lot of them. You know, they're just kind mm. of, they're really driven by character. That's yeah. something that I love, which is why I really like, you've talked a bit about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. Um, I think with Amy particularly, but I think you've mentioned it with Alex as well. Um, yeah. yeah, that's the same, you know, it's completely driven by the characters in the show and their personalities and their lives. And that's why it's great because it doesn't mm. rely on, having to come up with a good new story to be mm. good because the characters are just good and mm. any scenario you put them in will be great because those characters are brilliantly written. It's definitely interesting. Um, Alex, his pick was 40 Towers and that is the classic example of a, a show that was two seasons, 12 episodes, yeah. and then they, they finished and that was it. The Office famously had two seasons and a special I need to watch The Office properly because I really like Ricky Gervais and quite yeah. a few of the other actors in it. Yeah. Um, um, so I probably quite like that. The same with Extras, which was their follow-up to The Office, which personally for me, that is, I prefer that to The Office because it has all the celebrities playing um, sort of crazier versions of themselves. Is that the one that Matt LeBlanc's in? No, that's Episodes. Oh, I see. No, episodes, okay. yeah. Episodes is good as well. Um, extras is it's yeah it's again it's Ricky Gervais it's Ashley Jensen they're playing mm. extras and they go to all these different film sets and then oh, cool. you have um, actors playing sort of heightened versions of themselves That's and it brilliant. is genius and it's so funny um, you've got Patrick Stewart Ian McKellen oh, cool. uh, Orlando Bloom Kate Winslet Samuel Jackson and it's literally they just pop in for these cameos but they're playing ridiculous versions so for example in the first season Kate Winslet is playing so at the time, she was considered to be this goody sort of two-shoes because she was in Titanic and she was like quite young. And when yeah. she's in extra, she's playing a nun, but she's absolutely like foul-mouthed talking about sex all the time. That's hilarious. And the same, I... with da same with Daniel Radcliffe. He was in it and he was playing this incredibly like randy teenager who just oh, had gosh. like condoms in his pocket all the time. And it was just brilliant. And you um, mentioned that Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen were in it as well. I was going to say that the reason this is probably brilliant is because of the fact they get these actors who don't get a chance to do zany things no, and place exactly, them in that yeah. scenario. Well, they didn't at that time. Since, since Extras, Ian McKellen was in Vicious uh, with Derek Jacobi. I don't know if you ever saw that. No, I haven't seen it. That sounds uh, cool, though. Um, I saw bits of it, but it's Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi playing an old gay couple. It's just a sitcom where there's playing an old gay couple who bicker all the time. That sounds um, brilliant. That sounds like an episode of Gogglebox. And it's <laughs> yeah, and it's got Frances Delatour in it as well. From oh, Harry she's Potter. amazing. I haven't seen it, but I've, that's meant to be great. 
Yeah. And, um, yeah. Patrick Stewart has been in a lot of kind of, he's done a lot of work with Seth MacFarlane. So he's kind of done more as well. Um, but they're both brilliant in extras. I would nice. highly recommend you watch that as well. Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah. Going back to the, to the point. Yeah. British shows do tend to be shorter. Um, they kind of, they know what's funny and they know how to get in and out um, quickly um exceptions are peep show and only fools and horses to be honest which yeah had seven seasons but it did a special pretty much once a year for about 10 10 years yeah um and the thing is only fools and horses never really lost it until um they came back in 2001 something like that yeah i i from your podcast with alex I remember him saying that he doesn't even consider that to be a part of the show. It's because it 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 should finish. Yeah, I mean the reason is is because the finale uh, called "A uh, Time on Our Hands," where they become millionaires, mm. feels like the absolute perfect end for the show. Like there is n- like you could not imagine a better ending than that. Nice. And they walk off into the sunset, and it's amazing. And then you know, multiple years later, they come back and they've lost all their money and they have to move back in and it, it just loses all the heart of the show and it, it's not as good. Yeah, and I, I think I agree with you and Alex because I, I think I watched the whole thing a long time ago. I know you've got the box set, so perhaps we have to finish yeah. that sometime. Yeah. Um, you know, when we're able to be in the same house. But yeah, yeah I think that some shows, don't they don't need to show you the next bit. Because like Alex said, you, you would assume that probably they'd do something stupid and lose all their cash, but you yeah. don't need to know how or why. Yeah, exactly. You make that bit up yourself. It does lose its charm if you try to eke it out too much, which is why I think I prefer these, these British comedies because they continue to have this charm and these great characters because they don't try to overwrite them or over like yeah. extend their lives just for the sake of it. It's Yeah, it's, it's completely true. Um, Only Fools and Horses got away with it for pretty much all of its running sort of running time but those last three specials they were the you know the straw that broke the camel's back if you were yeah um american shows generally in terms of comedies they do probably go on a bit too long i think um the office us for example it had seven great seasons albeit the first wasn't that great and then it did another two that weren't as great i mean usually the long-running american comedies they do work generally um because they kind of keep you on board they put more drama into it and more sort of you can look at friends and you compare it to a a british comedy for example like 40 towers and like friends will have more character like journeys and growth and stories you know 40 towers is the same for 12 episodes um and so that's how i think americans get by on having heart and sort of um, real emotion to it and they're kind of sentimental about it and that's how they yeah. can kind of push it. Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy American comedies mm. a lot. Like I I love The Big Bang Theory almost in its entirety. Um, I mean, it had a lot of ups and downs for sure. Um, but I think the reason I liked it was because I was invested in the characters. I mean, they yeah. didn't change much, which is I think why you kind of lost touch with it a lot because they, they didn't really become... Yeah better people that much but yeah i mean i i do like american comedies i don't have anything against them i just think that a lot of the time they're quite formulaic um which doesn't really do anything different which is a shame and i mean there will be exceptions of course but that's just kind of i yeah i think a lot of it from living with you i don't think you've watched all the comedies that i love in particular um you haven't seen parks and recreation 
you've seen most of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, mm. which is an exception. You haven't seen Community. Uh, I mean, you've seen Friends. Frasier's my other favorite. That's my favorite sitcom, and that's a US sitcom as well. How um, did you get introduced to a lot of these things? Because I feel like I, I, it was never as accessible for me. Maybe oh, that's no, why yeah. I missed it. Well, the majority of them I, I've gotten into in the last probably sort of 10 years. And it's just from the advent of streaming and online media and having my own space. Um, you know, when I was younger, it was just, we had four channels and I was just, you know, sitting with my parents. And then, you know, since getting like a laptop and Netflix and stuff, I'm able to explore these things. Yeah. And I think I'll just, you know, I'm somebody who, if I hear something's good, I'll give it a go because yeah. I want to just watch something good. And so I'll just watch a show like with the good place i like parks and rec and i like brooklyn nine and then i heard that the guy who created them is doing a new show called the good place and I was yeah, like, cool, yeah i'll check that out it's meant to be quite good i'm quite a lot like that um, yeah. and i think a lot of the things that i have loved um come to love in the last few years you've introduced me to mm -hmm. because of that yeah. um, because you've kind of broadened your range over time and there are things that i missed out on when they were first out yeah. and first on tv that i didn't really explore i don't know why i just never kind of picked them up i guess a lot of things you know like uh buffy in the good place and mm. all that sort of thing i i've really i've loved getting to know these shows um and love yeah. the fact that you introduced them to me i really rate a lot of your choices i think that's why we have quite similar interests in tv mm. because you like a broad range of stuff I think, yeah. and that's why it's it's really interesting to pick up on these shows. Yeah, I try to, because I, I feel like I know what people like, like with you and Amy and my friend Chris, I know their humour and I know what they like, and so I'm able to go, you might like this, watch this. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, you, you were never really a fan of Friday Night Dinner at all, were you? Because you watched the first episode and decided it I wasn't for you. I think I watched an episode, I've seen bits on TV, there's something about it that I just don't click with. But really? you, you, you thought that I would, and you kind of passed it on to yeah, me and said, I, this is a thing that you might like. And I, I watched yeah. the first one. I didn't really connect with it from the first episode, but um, after that, I really got into the show, mm. and I, now it's something that I really love. I watched mm. the fourth season. No, fifth season. I watched mm. the fifth season when it was broadcast on TV yeah. um, very recently and uh, loved it. Yeah, and that's something that kind of you identified as something that I'd probably enjoy. Mm. and pass that on to me kind of thing yeah. so yeah I, I feel like i can just you know with people I'm, I'm so close to and i know well i feel like it is just say watch this i think you might like it because i knew you like the in-betweeners and it was similar sort of thing you know at some bird in it it was kind of a that kind of odd humor sort of quite when i was younger myself and my friendship group which is probably the same for a lot of people when they're kind of at that yeah. age in school the in-betweeners became a bit of a way of life for us yeah and it was just so it's so character driven and it's so funny um and it's totally you have to kind of i think you have to watch it when you are that age because you start putting your friends into which character they're like most and all that sort of thing and i think that's yeah. why it's so successful because it works that way yeah i was into the in-betweeners um as well back then i think i mentioned this to dennis as well but yeah i didn't i really liked the first movie and i really didn't like the second movie because it undid all the good work that the first movie did. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel slightly differently about that. I can see why you feel that way, mm -hmm. um, because it, it does undo pretty much all of it. And it's, it is a shame in some ways, but also I don't think those characters were meant to have happy endings. 
Mm. So with the with the way the first one ended, you kind of think these guys are not very nice people, but they're happy now. Yeah. And uh, well, it seems like a bit of a strange way to. Yeah, but I, I felt like they grew as people during the first film. Jay, in particular, he kind of he he grew and he became a kind of nicer person. They Jay did. Of... I think Simon probably became more horrible. That's <laughs> he's probably yeah, <laughs> he is horrible. But yeah. I mean, that show was never gonna be like, oh my god, I love all these characters. I want to be like them. It's you no, know, no, so, that's true. You don't want to be like them. Definitely not. In fact, they're think, examples of what you the mess you don't want to get into. Yeah. So I did. I do think that the film managed to, managed to just kind of make you sympathise with them a bit. And yeah, kind of, that's true. Yeah, it gave them sort of nice endings where you're like, cool, that's it, that's done. Everything is wrapped up. And then yeah. the second film kind of it turned Simon's girlfriend into this crazy kind of like, you know, girlfriend and it, you know, it Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that aspect of it because that really ruined Lucy's character. Yeah. Um she wasn't like that at all in the first one and then suddenly she's just like really dramatically overprotective. It didn't make any sense. On from that, on from that, what is a TV character that you aspire to? So I'm I thought about this a lot because I didn't want all of my answers to be Doctor Who related. But quite a lot of it is and yeah. the answer is the doctor just because of when i was thinking about the kind of personality traits and aspects of the character despite the fact that they change depending on who's playing them mm. there are some aspects that are consistent and have been consistent for the entire time even since the very beginning when william hartnell was the doctor they've been consistent throughout and they've been the writers understand you know they're an intrinsic part of the character and uh that's kind of, you know, bravery, courage, kindness, um, having a hope for, for life and for living creatures, um, always, always empathizing mm-hmm. with uh, all life as well. You know, even if they are the mad creator of the Daleks like Davros is, the Doctor still goes, I give you a chance, mm-hmm. take my hand. Yeah. And I just think that's such a beautiful thing that not a lot of media does, you know, and it does so many other things. It's it's clever and it's weird it's adventurous it educates people and it's also turned into a little bit of an activist show for the whole time it's been on to an extent but i think it's got a bit more like that even since 2005 um some people hate how pc it's got these days Mm. um but i don't think that's the case i think that it does something that the world really needs it talks Mm. about our problems quite honestly there aren't a lot of things that do that so yeah I'd, i'd have to say the doctor for that one I think it's one of the most unique shows. Like there is no other show that has the story, the world, the character. And there's just no other character like the Doctor. No. No other character that can hold a mystery for that long, but also have so many of these wonderful values that it takes forward every time the show reinvents itself. Those values are still there. Again, we'll get into Doctor Who more on. Yeah, that's just the the, you know the character's personality. Yeah, um, but I yeah, love. I mean, yeah, I'm not surprised that you aspire to the Doctor. Who is your favourite Doctor? My favourite is the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith. Yeah. And it's quite a controversial opinion for many people. But I loved the kind of the old man in a young person's body. I yeah. love that idea yeah. of, you know, actually he was trying to hide his true self. Um, and that gives such layer to the character mm. um, that you get this really child like really fun really playful character often and mm-hmm. then when something goes very badly wrong particularly if it's someone close to the doctor or the doctor's fault there is such rage and anger 
Um, the first episode I remember them doing this for Matt Smith was his second one, which was The Beast Below, um, in which he finds out that the, the new kind of human space rocket um, has trapped this space whale that mm. is, is being used to power it. Um, and yeah. they're basically feeding off its life. And as soon as he finds this out, because that's not something that sits well with the Doctor as a character, as soon as he finds this out, this, this rage is instant. And it yeah. almost comes from nowhere. And you suddenly go, oh, yeah, he's not actually this really heroic, you know, really kind of lovely, playful character that he is pretending to be a lot of the time. There is such pain behind that. And I, I just, mm-hmm. I really relate yeah. to those layers. And I think that that is a wonderful thing that they did. No, yeah. That Matt Smith brought to life. I mean, I think the reason why it might be controversial to say Matt Smith is because anyone who's not David Tennant is probably quite controversial. Well, um, also the days. fact that I think a lot of people think that Matt Smith ruined it because he wasn't David Tennant and he mm. was the one that had to follow David Tennant's doctor. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe that's why some people would think that just because they kind of, a lot of people see Stephen Moffat and Matt Smith as the reason Doctor Who got bad. When actually that's not the case. It's just how attached to the previous bits they were. Yeah, I mean, they didn't like it. I remember when you know David Tennant left. We were all sad because he was leaving, and then they kind of revealed who was going to be the next Doctor, and there was a collective kind of like, "Who is this?" Like he wasn't a big actor. Exactly. And it's a testament to the show and the performers and the writers that they essentially managed to just be Doctor Who again and you know in that first episode there was really no sort of two ways about it it was just Doctor Who it sort of felt different but it was still the same show and And I think Matt Smith has confessed that he hadn't actually watched a lot of it before taking on the role as well so the fact that he was able to really understand how intrinsic that character was without having a lot of experience of the show you know like David Tennant and Peter Capaldi for example Mm they grew up with it it was their life when they were younger but for somebody like matt smith who you know he was into football when he was younger he Mm. wasn't really a huge fan i don't think he had a particular interest in the show anyway from what i know and yet he was still able to really get from the first two episodes exactly what this character was i mean i don't really i usually say chris Eccleston is probably my favorite just because he was the first one i saw and i think that he does such a good job with the role um i'm gonna move on to the next question yeah um so it might be one we've already talked about, but the next question is, what is the show you've been addicted to recently? It is, yeah. It's The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. As I say, that's my show that I watch when I'm eating something now. And I think the shows that I watch when I'm having food are kind of the shows that I become a bit addicted to because obviously you eat two, three times a day. Yeah. When it becomes part of that routine, you just watch it and you continue watching it yeah. and you don't really stop. But it just gripped me. I, some of the shows that you kind of watch again from your childhood you really cringe at and you think oh i like this when i was a kid but actually uh no this is not good you know it's kind of all over the place and it's yeah. really cheesy and it's really stupid and yeah. a lot of that stuff but as i mentioned before i i don't think the sweet life does that and i think that's probably why upon re-watching it now i've become a bit addicted to it and just wanted to continue i mean there's only three series of it I'm on the third one now because I've been watching it for a while, almost since Disney Plus came out. I think it's a great addition to the Disney universe and I've become a bit addicted to it lately. Cool. Um, this one is uh, another one that you may have covered, but what is your ultimate comfort food TV show? I'll skim over the first one because I've talked about it a lot. 
but yeah. it's Doctor Who. Okay. Um, because of its kind of wholesomeness and motivation. Yeah. Um, the other two are two of the comedies that I mentioned, mm -hmm. these British comedies. Mm -hmm. um, and it would be Miranda, yeah. um, because of its kind of silliness, its fun, and the characters, again, in that is very character-driven. All the characters are amazing and really funny, and they've just got these hilariously exaggerated personalities, which makes mm -hmm. it brilliant. And I think Miranda Hart's really clever and uh, very good at what she does. You know, the show is very meta. It talks to the audience. It's very slapstick as well. And I just love that. I think it's really fun just for the sake of being fun. Mm. And it's got a real heart to it with, you know, the love story that's in it between Miranda and uh, Gary um, in the show. And mm. um, just all the other characters are wonderful. And I think certain people in your lives, you can relate them to as well in the show there were probably quite a lot of people that think that i don't personally think this but i think quite a lot of people would think that their mum is like penny mm. in the show because she's always trying to marry her off and you know she's yeah. sort of when they get into these ridiculous situations she has to bail her out and all this sort yeah. of thing and yeah it's, i think it's just got a really wholesome feeling to it and that's why i love that yeah i i watched it back in the day as well i think i mean i'm not into it a whole lot now because i haven't kind of watched it in years yeah, it's good. It's a good show. As my favourite episode I'll mention in a bit when you ask me about that because that's cool. on the list as well. Okay, cool. So uh, any more comfort food TV shows? Yeah, my third one is The Inbetweeners. Um, okay. I've chosen The Inbetweeners because basically I think this is a show that you can watch that makes you feel better about yourself because of how stupid they are. And I think that's probably why it's on this list because it's so kind of ridiculous in these situations that you watch you just go either oh that was a thing i did that was really dumb or yeah. this is a thing that i never ever want to do yeah that they managed to get themselves into um and i think watching those characters and those situations play out is really entertaining and interesting because hopefully it's something that's not happened to you before yeah. and with regards to that yeah. you can then just laugh your head off at it and go this is so stupid I really hope I never get into this situation. <laughs> yeah. So you can kind of think about the characters in that light and think, well, you're all really not very nice people. You're entertaining to watch, but I never would want to meet you on the street. Yeah. That's kind okay. of why it's comforting to me because I'm not yeah. like them. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I mean, as a left field choice, I wouldn't have quite thought in between us as a sort of comforting TV show. But yeah, I mean, if it's kind of relatable in that way, then... I think for me, it also holds really good memories with my friendship group from school yeah i think that's probably partly why because we all kept, became a bit addicted to the show and you know quoting it all the time ridiculously yeah. and all that sort of thing and i think that's probably partly why it's on there too because it holds really nice memories of us all watching it together and laughing and yeah, yeah. okay so the next question i have down here is what are your favorite tv quotes now, do you want me to do this all in one or do you want to pepper this like you did with Amy? Because I yeah. have about six, I think. Six? Okay, well, if you do a couple now, I'll come back to them in a bit. Okay, they're from two shows. Um, the first one is Doctor Who and the second one is The Good Place. Fantastic. Go for it. Um, the reason I've chosen them is because I think they tell us a lot about our lives and how we should kind of live them. And uh, yeah. they're very positive reflections. Um Anyway, the first one is from The Lazarus Experiment, which is an episode from Doctor Who in season three. It's episode mm -hmm. six. Uh, I know you're not a huge fan of the episode, but this quote is a standout from it. Um, the Doctor says, some people live more in 20 years than others do in 80. It's not the time that matters. It's the person. And I just think that that is such a wholesome, wonderful thing that everyone should live yeah. by. I mean, Doctor Who is just completely filled with good quotes. You yeah. can't move around for good quotes. 
would you like me if i'm giving you two now would you like one from the good place as yeah well? give me a good place one now okay so this first one is from existential crisis which mm -hmm. is season two episode five yeah. um and it's eleanor saying if you try to ignore your sadness it just ends up leaking out of you anyway i've been there everybody's been there so don't fight it it's either before or after my favorite quote from the good place which is i think it's some, i'm paraphrasing but it's everybody's a little bit sad sometimes no yeah everybody's aware of death and that's why we're all kind of a little bit sad sometimes and you kind of just got to deal with it or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it I'm has a lot of those wonderful themes in it um and you know dealing with death and loss and a hope of carrying on as well i guess it's the good place is brilliant i'm so glad that you introduced me to it all humans are aware of death so we're all a little bit sad all the time yeah that's that's the quote that is my favorite quote because it's completely true um is that is that michael no eleanor says that to michael oh okay yeah. because i know that um that that becomes quite a big part of michael's philosophy doesn't yeah. it yeah i think it's when so he's trying fascinating. to understand yeah. human beings and yeah I mean, that show is brilliant and because I think maybe the meaning of life is to come to terms with death before you die. And yeah. that's what all of life is about. It's just about trying to be okay with it before it happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I talked about it um, with Alex on the podcast, on his podcast, um, where I was mentioning how the finale was just, it was so brilliant and it was one of the most moving things. It was incredible. Prof profound. Yeah. And um I absolutely love that. And the show absolutely nails that. It's able to make you feel good. I mean, that is a comfort food TV show in, in and of itself. It doesn't just comfort you because it's nice and funny and warm, but it makes you feel things about life. It makes you feel better about being alive. It's so philosophical. Yeah. So philosophical. And it, it really teaches you amazing things about your outlook and how to change mm -hmm. that. And, you know, being not only okay and happy in your own life, but like you say, trying to accept the eventualities when they come. And yeah, yeah. it's just beautiful. We are delving deep now with these questions and yeah. I can maybe guess the next answer, but what is a show that has meant a lot to you? And it can be Doctor Who. Oh, as I said, it, it just became a lifestyle choice. Yeah. Um, so that, that's why it means a lot to me. It really changed a lot of the way that I felt about myself and my outlook yeah. on the world. That's amazing. I mean, so the next part of the question, or it's kind of part of the question is, to what extent do you think TV has the power to heal you? Um, That's what I was expecting to come next, because I missed okay. that little one. Well, on the it's part of the, of the same question, kind of. So. Yeah, well, I feel like nothing can take you on a journey quite like TV. Yeah. I think the, the way that it's able to build up worlds and characters that can really change and develop during the course of the TV show is just mm -hmm. amazing. And I, I really think that some shows, you know, like Doctor Who, like The Good Place, can be really, really formative for who you are as a person and uh, really take you on a journey of self-discovery. I think that's something that TV does better than films in a lot of ways because films can be dragged out in terms of franchises um, and they don't last in the same kind of way that TV does because with TV shows, I think you can't get a TV show to be on air as a producer, as a writer, unless you've got a story that's like this that kind of allows the characters to change and develop. Yeah. Obviously, there will be exceptions to this. They aren't the TV shows that aren't quite as good, but many of them do this brilliantly. And uh, I just think that that's why TV has an amazing power to heal people and yeah. to kind of help them 
learn about themselves and about the world. Um, I mean, on that point, I think film is definitely a medium that's, it's a visual medium. Somebody's painting a picture, whereas TV is about somebody's telling a story. And yeah. I think that's kind of the key difference. Yeah, um, and a lot of it has to be character-driven as well with TV shows because otherwise you wouldn't get a next season yeah. if you don't have characters that are interesting because people wouldn't care enough. Yeah, I mean, with a film, you can't... You, do, you, you know, you make a film, and if it's bad, it's bad, and they don't give you another film, but you've still made a film, whereas if it's a TV show and you have bad characters, they're not going to sort of continue the story. They're not yeah. going to carry it on. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so that's we covered the the sort of TV shows that have meant a lot to you and about TV healing. But now I'm just going to ask you, what are your top five episodes of television? Again, this took a lot of thinking, but I <laughs> compiled a list that I think makes sense in my tired state when I was writing these notes. Um, so my first one, uh, there's only one Doctor Who episode on here, which probably surprises you. Oh, my first Lord, one wow. is a Doctor Who episode. Okay. Um, and I think it's one that you liked too, but it's quite a controversial Can opinion. I try and guess? Yeah. Okay. So Dennis went for Blink. I don't think it's going to be Blink. I like Blink. I like what Blink did, but it's definitely not, it's not my favourite. The trouble is a lot of people go for an episode that they would show people as their very first one to introduce them to the show. Yeah. But even though I think this episode has basically every single good thing about Doctor Who in it, uh, in terms of the themes and everything it can do with being very malleable in terms of genre and mm. covering lots of different ones and things. Um, you could not show this to people as their first one because it's too story heavy. Okay, I can't think. Um, <laughs> can I have a clue? Which Doctor is it? Eleven. Okay. Um, is it Let's Kill Hitler? It is, yeah. Nice yeah. one. Nice. Yeah, it is Let's Kill Hitler. Um, <laughs> and... The reason that I this is on my list is because, as I say, I think this does everything that Doctor Who does well, yeah. and that Doctor Who is one of the only TV shows that can do um, in terms of it's funny, it's emotional, it's silly, it's entertaining, it's adventurous, but it also visits a period of history. And, you mm. know, they don't do a lot with that period of history, but it okay. is relevant in the story that they're there. And, yeah, it's just mad and wonderful. You know, you discover a lot about the essential characters in the story, but they also put Hitler in a cupboard. So it's it's just wonderful, and I love it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that episode too. It's it's a great adventure one. It sort of does some interesting things with River Song um, for once. Um, so I hope I can class this as one episode, because otherwise, you do yeah, if you I don't have five. Yeah, that's fine. Sort Good. of. Um, I think you're going to let me anyway, because you love it too, and you've already mentioned it. Okay. Um, my this isn't in any order again just like alex i'm not kind of ranking these yeah, yeah. Um, but the next one i wrote down was the two episodes that are the final of the good place um, whenever you're ready mostly yeah patty and whenever you're ready the, the final two and the reason why is because i don't think i've ever seen a tv show that is wrapped up as well as this i know that the creator michael skirt i know that he said that that was the reason he didn't want to continue it mm -hmm. Um, and that was a conscious choice for him because mm -hmm. he knew that the characters had got to a place where it had to end yeah. because it was the correct way to end it and it was so perfect like if they tried to continue that show I would have stopped watching because it would have destroyed yeah. everything the show was about yeah. um, for a start it wouldn't have had that acceptance of death if it had continued yeah. um, and that was such a big part of the show 
but also they're just so beautifully written. And uh, one of the quotes that I'll read later is from one of these as well. So, Calling back to what we were talking about earlier, the good plays, they knew when to end it and they ended it after four seasons. Yeah. And that was it. And it was absolutely amazing. Um, it was the most perfect ending I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Especially from a TV show. Yeah, I mean, I can't praise it high enough. Basically, it was my, I think it's my favorite episode of a TV show ever. Yeah. Um, and, and I only watched it this year and I, I watched it with Amy and I mean, I cried so much and I laughed yeah. and it was so profound yeah. and I loved it. And there's no bigger compliment that my dad loved it as well. And he was a big fan of The Good Place. And he doesn't nice. really like watch many American like shows or comedies at all. Like I don't think he'd like Parks and Rec or anything like that. But oh, um, but the Good Place, he loved it as well. Yeah, I mean, there's no show like it. It's brilliant. It, it's actually making me a little bit like emotional just thinking about yeah. what happens. No, I listen. <laughs> so to... I'm not going to talk about or spoil that for anyone who wants no, to watch it because um, it is the most perfect. I do listen to that because there's a bit of music in it from the most emotional scene in the episode uh instrumental piece called spiegel and spiegel and and it's it's so beautiful and that piece of music sometimes i just listen to it and it's just overwhelming yeah yeah my next one is an episode from miranda okay um and it is called just act normal which Mm -hmm. is in season two episode five Mm -hmm. um if i was going to introduce anyone to this show this is the episode i would show them Mm. because for the whole episode Miranda and her mother Penny are in a psychiatry office mm-hmm. and they're in this psychiatry office due to reasons the episode explains but are ridiculous reasons they've got themselves into a really stupid scenario that I can't actually remember all of because <laughs> it's so ridiculous but I just think it's amazing because where they're stuck in this one space for the whole time they are so clever with how they do it with the comedy that they do it, and it's really really silly things like miranda goes over to a water machine went goes to get a cup of water and when she pulls it out it goes everywhere because there's a hole in the bottom it's just really stupid things like that and then she tries to cover up that hole with the psychiatrist suitcase and obviously that then gets completely full of water and they try and fix that and it's just like ridiculous situation after ridiculous situation yeah. and it's amazing because it's just so funny but also really really silly Mm. they don't even try and be clever with it for most of the episode as you get on to the end like all great comedies do they do have kind of emotional beats to it as well which are like actually penny and miranda really need this session even though they're trying to say for the whole time to him that they don't need to be there for the session at all it's just because they've got themselves into this situation and they have to sort it out by going to psychiatry but actually it kind of it does get to that emotional beat where it then really talks about the characters and their personalities and kind of it goes into Miranda's upbringing as well um, and how she resents her mum for a lot of things. But it's just so funny and where it has those emotional reverences to it as well, it's brilliant and I love it a lot. Yeah, it's a good episode. It's a a good little bottle episode. Really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The next one I've written down is an episode of Pokemon. So this is going back to when I was really young. Um, Well, not really young, but, you know, a lot younger than I'm talking with these TV shows I've mentioned already. Yeah, yeah, I understood all these emotive things when I was tiny. Probably did, to be honest. Not due to intelligence, more just because I cry a lot. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, this episode of Pokemon is called Snow Way Out. Um, It sounds a lot sillier than it is, trust me. 
Um, it's in season two. It's episode 66, but it was meant to be the 40th episode of the show. So it was meant to be a special one. Um, the reason it was rescheduled is because of previous episode causing seizures in a lot of children when it was first broadcast oh, yeah. because of flashing images um, in which Pikachu does an electric attack and it flashes all over the screen and they tried out new stuff and it really didn't work because it sent a lot of kids to hospital. So yeah, it was meant to be the 40th one, but that was why it was rescheduled. But anyway, the the story of this episode is that Ash and his friends, Brock and Misty at the time, because he's had lots of other groups of friends since then. Um, but the original two, the best two, Rock and Misty, they're traveling. Um, they get to a fork in the road and they can either travel one way or the other. And one way, um, I think, takes them a lot longer and the other takes them over a mountain, but it will be shorter. Um, if I remember rightly, anyway, I haven't seen it for mm. a long time. Anyway, Ash is very headstrong and he decides that they should go over the mountain because it will be quicker and he just wants to get to where they're going. So it'll be fine. When they get to this mountain, the weather conditions are insane to the point where there's snowstorms because they go quite high up. Ash loses Misty and Brock and they get trapped in a cave. And he has to get his Pokemon friends to help him because he almost falls off the side of one of the mountain cliffs because of an avalanche. Thankfully, the Pokemon Bulbasaur is there to help and bring him back up. But the episode is amazing because it is really really emotional and it's about family and friends and how they help each other and what the power of love can do because they get trapped in this cave they don't know how to find their friends and they're trapped there overnight and uh initially he gets his pokemon charmander out because charmander has a fiery tail for anyone who doesn't know bit of a pokemon dork but there we are so they get charmander out to help warm them up because the Pokemon Bruce Fire and also has fire on its tail. And uh, Charmander rises its flame so it's bigger and they can all kind of crowd around it and be warm overnight. But the trouble is, and this is something that I've never really understood why it's in a show for children, but <laughs> it's a really, really emotional point. If Charmander's flame goes out on its tail, it dies. Yeah, and that's just a, a thing that's been in, in the show since it started one of the original starter Pokemon will die if the flame on its tail goes out. Anyway, obviously because of the conditions that it's been put under, these are not ideal for fire because of the amount of snow and ice and kind of all that sort of thing, as opposed to the amount of fire, the, the amount of flame that Charmander has on his tail. So obviously the flame gets smaller and smaller and smaller as the night goes on. And it's heartbreaking. Like genuinely, I don't know if I realized how much of a connection I had to this until now because I'm feeling mm. sad thinking about it. <laughs> Um, but obviously this is why I wrote it down because it's just, it's an amazing episode. It really shows mm. what kind of love and family can do. I, it will make you I, yeah, I never got into Pokemon. I watched Digimon when I was younger. Yeah, um, I watched a bit of Digimon, but I never quite connected with it in the same way. I mean, I felt like there was always a, you had to watch one or the other. I mean, that's, you know, there's great people who watch both. Um, so it doesn't matter, but I, yeah, I never really got into Pokemon. Um, again, I feel like if I tried watching it now, I wouldn't really connect to it because I'm not invested. I've never really played the games, so that can be just... a show that does get quite cheesy as well. Yeah, so it's, that yeah. might be something that puts you off at our <laughs> age now. Probably. I don't know. I, if I watched it now, I probably wouldn't watch a quarter of them, maybe just because they're kind of too silly or too cheesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is one that has just stuck with me for a really long time. Cool. So my final one is from Friday Night Dinner. Okay. 
Um, it is the final episode of season five. And anybody who has watched it will probably already be in an emotional state by this point because uh, they know what I'm talking about. But the final episode of season five is one of these episodes of a comedy that gives you that hugely emotional payoff that is totally unexpected, particularly yeah. for a show like Friday Night Dinner because Friday Night Dinner is really, really silly. Yeah. Um, not in a kind of fun Miranda way, just in the sense that their family dynamic is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Robert Popper, the writer, has said that this show is based on his parents quite a lot. Yeah. Um, the main dad in Friday Night Dinner always walks around without a shirt on, Martin, because he always believes he's too hot. Apparently, Robert Popper's dad did actually do that all the time, and he was frequently embarrassed by it, which is why it's written into the show. Yeah. Uh, I watched an interview with him recently when I was watching Series 6, and he said that his mum apparently turned around to one of the actors and said now do you understand why i get so frustrated <laughs> because martin is so based on his dad that it's just too real to her <laughs> all these yeah, ridiculous wow. things that he's doing um but anyway this episode of season five the final one is called wilson and it's about uh jim who is one of the characters in the show played by the amazing guy whose name i can't remember oh, that's the one don't put that bit in because that's upsetting um <laughs> Yeah, so Jim, who is in the show, who's played by Mark Keep, who is incredible. Um, he is actually also in the episode of Miranda that I mentioned earlier that I yeah. love. But he plays a much more straight-laced character, which is why I love him, because he's a very flexible performer. Um, in Friday Night Dinner, Jim is ridiculous, um, to the point where he's just weird and a little bit pervy. But he's yeah. got this dog called Wilson, who is such a big part in the show. Mm unexpectedly and wilson is jim's dog that jim is always frightened of despite the fact that wilson is the most loving like not well not wilson is not necessarily a loving dog but he's not a bad dog like he would never hurt anyone um and jim always always flinches when he goes to stroke him it's just one of these little kind of intrinsic things that mark keep put into the character and it's so funny the way he does it because he's a really physical performer so the episode is about wilson uh, by the end of it and uh you don't expect what happens and it's really sad so yeah i mean piecing those two puzzle pieces together i can assume what happens <laughs> yeah i've realized that i kind of <laughs> i should recommend i mean i think i've recommended to you before but spaced mark keep is the main character on that as well um yeah I need the to watch edgar this. wright simon peg show that is great he's great in that so yeah I recommend that. no mark keep is a wonderful actor he's great yeah. i need to see him in more um as of watching Friday Night Dinner and then realizing that he was also the actor in Miranda in that episode because he's so different. Like, you mm. can't even really tell it's the same guy. So he's become quite an inspiration to me because he's such a flexible performer. So, with characters, I'm a character performer myself. So, it's mm. quite inspirational to me. Cool. I identified some themes with these, despite the yeah. fact they're from such different shows of a lot of what i've been talking about today already really there's love loss and family and all these episodes are quite emotive in their own ways and have real pathos to them mm. um, but they're also zany and funny you know they're quite silly mm. as well in some parts so yeah that's kind of what i thought about with that no mm, terrific well they are some good selections there that you have um but that brings me to my final question for you today um, if a TV show was based on your life, what would it be called and why? I had to think about this loads 
uh, because I couldn't just choose one because for me this was a big deal despite the fact it's not but it was because um, I think something like this says a lot about a person and uh, I thought about my kind of values and what I stand for and all this sort of thing it's nowhere near as philosophical as this but there we go anyway I decided to call it motivated madness cool and my reasons for that are because one thing that people kind of think of or say when they think about me is that even after a 11 12 hour shift of being five different characters in one day when i'm performing i still managed to have this ridiculously almost irritating um motivational attitude uh, and they don't understand where it comes from and uh, a lot of the work and things that i've done in my life when i've been performing you know puppetry and all that sort of thing that you're quite aware of yeah um is mad and I can't talk about it with anyone, really, because they just don't understand, because it seems like a different world. If you want to do your final quotes now... Shall I just give you two? Just give me what you got. Oh, okay. I'll read them out quite quickly, then. I've got a quote from Doctor Who, The Almost People, episode six of season six, um, which is, I am and will always be the optimist, the hoper of far-flung hopes and the dreamer of improbable dreams. Mm. Um, there's one from Twice Upon a Time, which was the 2017 Christmas special, which I believe is some of the Twelfth Doctor's final lines, which are never be cruel, never be cowardly. Remember, hate is always foolish. Love is always wise. Always try to be nice, but never fail to be kind. Final one from Doctor Who, season 11, episode one. We're all capable of the most incredible change. We can evolve while still staying true to who we are. We can honor who we've been and choose who we want to be next. And then I got a few just to finish from the good place as well, which hopefully you will enjoy. Uh, from Existential Crisis as well, there is a quote from Jason, which is literally just, you're awesome, be nicer to yourself. Uh, I just yeah, think that's, that's intrinsically that's a lovely <laughs> little thing. Um, there's one from season two, episode nine from Eleanor, um, which is great, but also a bit silly, which is why I like it. I know it sounds crazy, but if it weren't crazy, they wouldn't call it a leap of faith. They'd call it a sit of doubting. <laughs> and uh, then my final one, which I think is probably the best place to end, is from Patty, um, which to me sums up the entire show of The yeah. Good Place. Um, and it's Chidi's line when he sat on the sofa with Eleanor and he says, time. That's what The Good Place really is. It's not even a place, really. It's just having enough time with the people you love that's perfect yeah that is a beautiful quote that is amazing that one well thank you very much what are you watching next what's next on your watch list where i finished my marvel binge yeah um, the other day i began my pirates of the caribbean binge okay so i watched the curse of the black pearl the only five movies i think it'll be a bit yeah easier. and only three of them are really good but i'm gonna get through it mm. anyway <laughs> yeah. okay um and well, I I love the first three, I really do, and the fourth isn't that bad. Um, but mm. I kind of I'm watching a TV show and a set of movies at the moment, so my TV show is still The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody until I finish it. Okay. After that, it will be The Sweet Life on Deck, which is a show they continue to do, okay. um, and it's brilliant. And yeah, I'll probably pick another franchise after Pirates. Cool. Well, that sounds wonderful. Thank you very much again for talking to me today. It's been a great chat. Um, yeah, I hope definitely. you have a lovely day and we'll see you again soon for the extensive Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Bye. 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 
So that was Andrew Butcher joining us on TV Therapy today. Next episode, as I mentioned earlier, will be a Doctor Who Series 1 extravaganza where myself, Andrew and Dennis Jones chat all things Series 1 Doctor Who, all about Chris Frequiston and Russell G. Davis and Daleks and all that sort of nerdy stuff. And that is going to be a lot of fun. That was a big lengthy chat. And going ahead into the future, we are planning to uh, watch all the other subsequent series of Doctor Who and talk about them in great excruciating detail. Um, But that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, In the meantime, please uh, support this podcast. Like it, share it, comment on it. You know, let me know what you think. I have a Twitter um, for for the podcast that you can follow, which is a TV Therapy Pod. Give that a follow as well. Um, but yeah, just uh, share it and just get the word out of TV Therapy. Also, you know, if you want to be a guest, just give me a message, drop me a message, let me know. Um, I'll be more than happy to have you on as a guest. Keep supporting the podcast and keep listening. Thank you very much for listening to today. Good night, guys. Thank you.